Welcome to our continuing 2018 educational webinar series. I am Katherine Short, Partnership Marketing Specialist for FIRST Healthcare Compliance. At FIRST Healthcare Compliance, we help you with a comprehensive compliance management solution tailored to your business, a hospital, hospital network, healthcare practice of any size, billing company, or skilled nursing facility. As part of our complimentary educational webinar series, we bring you experts from around the country to discuss relevant topics in the healthcare industry. We are so pleased to have Dawn Cooper, Manager, Diversity and Cultural Competency at the ARC of the United States, who is responsible for developing and implementing the ARC's strategic plan for developing greater diversity within the chapters and ensuring that they are effectively meeting the needs of a diverse IDD community. As a professional diversity consultant with 20 years experience, Dawn has consulted within the organization on ways to leverage diversity and build inclusion as an organizational imperative and specializes in providing strategic and tactical direction to organizations looking to implement change and improve effectiveness. Previously, she has served in positions at the World Bank AFSC, Interaction, Freddie Mac, and American Express, and has been on the faculty at Georgetown University's Center for Continuing and Professional Education, Strategic Diversity, and Inclusion Management Certificate Program. A copy of the slide deck is available for download on the control panel. Feel free to submit questions into the question box on your control panel during the presentation. We'll address questions at the conclusion of the presentation. Your PACOM CEU certificate will be emailed to you from PACOM following the broadcast. There is no need to request it. Additional CEU opportunities will be available to BC Advantage members following the live broadcast. See their website for details. Dawn, go ahead. Thank you very much, Catherine. Thank you all for joining me today to um, continue our conversation on diversity and inclusion in the workplace. I very much enjoyed speaking with uh, you last year on this topic, and I um, look forward to our conversation today um, to continue the, the dialogue on why diversity in organizations. And so today we're going to be looking at strategic planning to action. So now that we've decided that we want to have a diversity initiative within our organizations, how do we go from strategically planning that to actually doing something? And how do we start that process on becoming a culturally competent organization? Um, so we have a couple of learning objectives uh, that I put together for us today. And let me get that slide in. Um, I wanted to today review with you all the strategic purpose of diversity, inclusion, and cultural competency. We probably talked about this last year as well, but I think it's important for us to remember and remind ourselves of the foundation of why we're doing what we're doing and what does it all mean. A lot of people have, there are a lot of definitions for diversity and inclusion wandering around. So it's always good to have that foundation and understand where we're all coming from. Um, I also wanted to review the need for a sound organizational imperative. It's so important when you're doing this work to understand why it is that you need to do it. What is important for your organization in, um, in, in ensuring that you're culturally competent, that you're 
services that you provide reach a diverse uh, community. These are all very important things, but what helps organizations really move forward and get everybody on board is if everybody is clear on why they're doing the, why they're doing this work. Um, another key, uh, learning objective we have is uh, learning some key steps to successfully implementing a diversity a change strategy in within your uh, within your organization. And I have chapter there because we're a chapter network, but. It's within your organization. How do you, how do you, what do you need to know and what do you need to do in order to implement this within your organization? And lastly, I want to explore some of the obstacles and barriers to diversity and, and, and some of the strategies for overcoming that resistance and achieving success within your organization. So why are we doing this? Um, you know, why do we need a diversity, uh, why, why is diversity a strategic initiative? Why do we have to put a strategic plan in place? Why is this so important? Well, the reality is, is that if your organization looks something like this, where it, it seems very homogenous in, in, in its own way and not necessarily reflective of the community that you live in, and you kind of want and imagine an organization that looks a little bit more like this, which tends to be a little more reflective of the communities that we live in, um, you, that's just not going to happen overnight. It's just not going to happen because we want it to happen. You're going to need to put a diversity strategy in place in order to see that that happens. So what is diversity? Um, again, uh, we, we touched on this briefly last time, but it bears repeating. What diversity is not is affirmative action. And we know affirmative action is a, is a, uh, is a policy that was put in place to address, um, you know, systematic racism that had been going on throughout our, uh, throughout our history. And so, you know, we put laws in place that said that we need to tear down these barriers and we need to bring people, you know, people have been, have been diminished uh, throughout, throughout, uh, throughout history and so we need to do something about that. And so affirmative action policies were designed to tear down barriers and say you need to recognize that there are qualified people throughout the, you know, in every, in every ca uh, dimension of diversity. So you need to start doing something about that. Uh, it's, but that is not what diversity is about. It's not a, it's not a policy, a federal policy. Uh, it's the same as EEO. It's not a, a diversity is not affirmative, uh, equal uh, employment opportunity. Uh, equal employment opportunity is very important, and it is something that w that has a place in 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 our society in terms of ensuring that people are not being denied opportunities based on their race, gender, sexual orientation, uh, marital status, um, uh, religion, uh, disability, and so on. So equal employment opportunity is very important, but that's not what diversity is and that's not what we're focusing on when we're talking about what we're trying to do in organizations. It's not just about training. If your only exposure to diversity to date has been, you know, going to a diversity class and, uh, you know, a training opportunity that your organization is doing or, or maybe this webinar, then that's not diversity either. It's, um, it's, it's more than that and it has to be more than that. There's a place for training in an initiative that you put together, but it cannot be the only thing that you're doing uh, in order to build cultural competence within your organization. It's not minority focused. 
Um, I'm sorry, I jumped human resources. It's not owned by human resources. Um, the human resources absolutely has things that they own within an organization, but diversity once again transcends your human resources um, uh, department and looks at everything that goes on within an organization, not only who you're bringing into an organization, but the things that, that are going on, the programs that you're developing, the products that you're, you're putting out, the services that you're providing, and that goes beyond human resources. It's not minority focused. It's not just about the others. Um, it's about all of us. It's, it's, it's not an us versus them. It's about a we. Um, diversity, a successful diversity initiative will bring an organization closer together and will, and will ensure that there are processes put in place that will make it possible for everybody to succeed within that culture. So it's not just about, you know, those guys uh, and, and we're being left out. <laughs> you know, uh, it's not that at all. If, you're, if your diversity initiative is, is doing, is creating that kind of conflict, then it, it's not being done appropriately. It's about we and how we can be successful as an organization together because we're all here together to make it successful. So what is diversity? Well, it's strategic, and, and this is some of the conversation that we started last year um, and that we want to continue this year. It is strategic. You have to think about how it fits in to, this, to the system of your organization and how that rolls down from the, the organization to the, to the departments to the individuals within your organization. So it hits every aspect of your organization. It's tactical. You have to think about exactly what, it, what kind of impact you're looking to have at every different level within your organization and ensure that you're, you're, you're taking those things into consideration and, um, and, and identifying what it is you need to do. It's systemic. As I just said, it's about the whole entire system, not just about one or two, not just about hiring, not just about retention. It's about everything, how we do business, how successful we are, uh, how we relate to the communities that we're working within, and so on and so forth. It's inclusive. As I said, it's not an us versus them. It's about all of us. How does everybody who walk in this door to work for, for us understand who we are and what we're trying to be? And how can everybody achieve their potential and become, you know, an employee um, that, that can help this organization be the most successful organization it can be? So it is inclusive. It's goal-oriented. We should have, uh, we, we should know where it is we want to be and where we want to go and what we want to look like as an organization. And so we need to set goals for ourselves and so we'll know when we've achieved what it is we're trying to do. Um, and and every and it's everyone's responsibility. Um, I find it as a diversity professional with 20 years into the field that and working in a lot of organizations that it's it's sometimes been seen as my responsibility to do you know to ensure that we become a culturally competent organization or that we our diversity initiative is successful and that's just not true. The reality is is that we all have a responsibility. To, to look at what's going on around us, to, to uh, influence our peers and our coworkers, um, you know, to, to provide effective customer service. And so what does it mean for that? That can't be things that I own. Um, that's got to be things that everybody else around me owns as well. So everybody has a role to play in the organization for making this successful. 
So once again, let's try and, and ensure that we're all on the same page with what it is we're talking about. So for me and in my presentation, diversity is that conscious decision that an organization makes to examine its systems and processes and create an environment that maximizes the potential of its employees for continued optimal organizational success. So, I mean, just think about that for a minute. We're, this organization is looking at, you know, we want to look at our systems and processes. We want to look at, if, if our organization looked like that first picture of, um, uh, you know, of Paul Ryan and his intern, then if that's the organization that we have, like I said, we, our systems and processes have allowed that kind of organization to get in place. And I don't, we don't know, might not know exactly what it is in our systems and processes that, that brought in a very homogenous looking group, but we need to know that if that's what we have, we have to do something. We have to look very closely and see what it is we can do differently in order to create a more diverse um, uh, organization. Um, but why are we doing this? Because we want to create an environment that maximizes the potential of all of its employees. And all of its employees are very important. So I always try and, you know, push people away from the, it's, you know, once again, the us versus them. It's not. It's about all of us. We have to all get there together or we're not going to be successful. And we're doing this because we believe it's going to make us a successful organization. And there's just no other way around it. It's not a nice thing to do. It's not a right thing to do. It's, you know, we're, we're, we're a business. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a business right now in court because I work for a nonprofit, but even us, even we in nonprofits have a responsibility, you know, to stay viable in order to do the work that we need to do. And, and, and also for us, it's about being, you know, are we the organization that can do the work that we say that we want to do? So for for-profit organizations, yes, it's about optimal organizational success. So that's what diversity is. It's that conscious decision to look at ourselves and look at ourselves closely so we can find out what it is we need to do in order to be successful. And so then what is inclusion? Because people um, are, are, you know, they have that discussion about what is more important, diversity versus inclusion. Are they the same? Are they not? And I, I personally think they are different. You know, if diversity is that process of looking at ourselves and, and understanding who we are and what, it, and what we're all about and where we might need to do things differently, Inclusion is about the work environment that, we, that we're creating. And it's about a work environment where everyone has an opportunity to fully participate in creating business success. So once we get everybody in the door, what, is, what kind of environment do we have here that allows people to continue to learn and grow, continue to give, I mean, that allows them to give their knowledge to, to us? It's amazing how many organizations have, you know, just have a culture in place that does not want people to be creative, <laughs> want people to, you know, to, to really give, um, you know, give to us what we brought them in to give. So inclusion is that work environment where we can all fully participate in helping the organization to be successful. And everybody is valued for what they bring to the table for those distinctive skills, experiences, and perspectives. So it's not about making everybody the same. It's about, okay, you got, you came from this place and you learned this and you brought this in, you bring this information to the table. You went from this place and came here and, and you, you know, had 20 years in the field, so you obviously have experience 
experience that we need? How can the two of you work effectively together in order to help us be successful? We believe it can happen, and so we, we, we have an inclusive organizational culture that allows us to ensure that we can get the most out of everybody. So that's the difference between diversity and inclusion. And diversity is about finding what it is we need to do in order to create an inclusive work environment. So today we said we were going to talk about strategy. And so how do we build a, a diversity strategic plan? If we have decided that we want to do this and we're going down this path, how are we going to do this? And you need to have a strategic plan in place. Um, I, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm a little bit of a two mind here because I personally find it ideal to have, um, you know, diversity embedded in the business strategic plan to, you know, because this is about successful business and so as a business driver, it should be part of the organization's business strategic plan. But I also know that because it, 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 it's something new for a lot of organizations, sometimes they need to pull it apart a little bit just to give it a little bit more focus. And so giving it a little more focus, building uh, requires us to build a diversity strategic action plan that, um, that we can put our attention to with the goal, for me, of having it embedded into our organization. Uh, strategic planning process and not have it separate. So to build a diversity strategic plan, there are several steps that we need to take into consideration. Step one, we have to assess our environment. Step two, we want to identify and educate our champions, who are our diversity champions. Step three, we want to create an organizational imperative, and I, and I mentioned a little that a little bit ago. Um, how important it is to, uh, for people to be on the same page and know what we're doing. Step four, we need to communicate the vision. What, it is we're, what, what, what kind of organization are we trying to be? And how does that differ from the status quo that we're at? Uh, step five, we need to remove obstacles. And we need to identify and acknowledge that there probably will be obstacles. You know, a lot of people don't like to think about things like that, but I'm always about what's going to stand in my way and how can I try and work on that and, and uh, you know, step that aside from that um, up front without necessarily having it derail me later. Um, step six, create that diversity strategy. <laughs> um, step seven, measure and report progress. Um, anything that you do around diversity should be measurable and should be something that you can report out on. So it's not so much just, uh, you know, when we talked a little bit about what it's not, it's not training. You have to be able to measure it and report out and, and report progress on it. Otherwise, it's not something that can be, how can we show that it's useful to the organization? And we do believe it's useful for the organization. Step eight, we need to anchor the changes in the corporate culture. And step nine, we also need to anchor those changes in our business and our the way we do business and our business plan. And and for me, step nine is that then folding the strategic diversity plan into the business plan. So let's look at each of these a little more closely. So the assessment, um, the assessment obviously is our opportunity to look at what's going on within the organization. And so there are lots and lots of things that we want to look at. Uh, we want to look at our hiring. We want to see if there's any barriers out there. We want to look at our corporate culture. We want to look at succession planning. 
We want to look at rewards and recognition. There are all there are lots and lots of things we want to look at within our organizations and that we need to look at in our organizations. Because once again, if our organization is not representative of the community that we're working in, there's a reason for that. And we have the people in our organization that we have because we have systems and processes in place. And we have the corporate culture that we have because chances are there are systems, there are processes in place that, that allow that culture to, to, um, to grow and to, uh, to have developed. So how do you know what you want to work on is basically what the assessment process is supposed to help us understand. And, and so we can't just look at one or two things, like how many of, of each uh, racial and ethnic group we have in an organization. It's much, much deeper than that. Like I said, it, it transcends everything going on within your organization. So we're looking at program development, community outreach, customer satisfaction, attitudes, product development, customer support, implicit bias. You're looking at everything that you can look at to understand what is going on within our organization. And so what are the benefits of an assessment? Why is this important? Why should we be doing it? Well, it, it, there's a couple of different things out there. It can help you gauge the degree to which your organization is effectively addressing the needs of its core population. If you take that step back, and how often do we take that step back to see, you know, to see, okay, what are, are we still even doing what it is we said we wanted to do? Are we even still on target for meeting the needs of, of, of the population that we're working with? And, and that's the question that we had to answer when I came here to the ARC. I mean, we're an organization that provides support and services to people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And the question that they started asking themselves when they brought me in is, are we meeting the needs of, of everybody who may have an IDD or every family member who may need our issues, our, our support and services if they have a person with an intellectual and developmental disability um, in their home? And, and, the question, and the answer is we don't know. We weren't sure that we were effectively meeting the needs of a diverse IDD population. We felt we were being pretty good meeting the needs of a white middle class <laughs> um, IDD population, but we really weren't sure about everybody else. And so that, you know, doing the, uh, the assessment that we did when I first got here gave us an opportunity to really see, our, you know, how are the needs of different how are the needs of different um, racial and ethnic groups. Um, how do they vary? What, is, there, is there a difference between what they, they need versus another, what another group needs? Um, and so uh, that's, and that's what an assessment was able to help us to see. It also can help us determine the knowledge, skills, and interests and needs of, of, of our various um, constituent groups, uh, our stakeholders. What do our staff? What what kind of knowledge and staff does our staff? You know, what kind of knowledge and skills do our staff, board members, and and those of uh, those individuals who are members of our organization? What do they know? What do they? What skills do they have? What knowledge do they need in order to help us make this make this change and 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 go down this path? And and that's important to know because once again, if it's not just the person, the diversity person's responsibility, it's everybody's responsibility. So we need to understand what it is people know and what it is they need to know in order to be able to help support us. 
Um, it can help you improve access, utilization, outcomes, and satisfaction with the services and activities um, that, that are out that you're conducting. So, you know, by looking at the assessment, you'll get a better chance. You know, you saw all those different things that you could be you can be looking at on the previous slide. Those, you know, answers to those questions, finding out more information about that should help you improve access utilization and outcomes. Um, it helps you establish meaningful partnerships. It helps you give a sense of, you know, if, if, you're, if you're looking at your customer satisfaction, if you're looking at what's going on with them, if you're looking at what people need, then that's going to develop, you know, they're going to they're gonna see that you care and you're interested and you, and you want to know more about who they are and what it is that is going on with them. So that will develop a better partnership. But also, if you can, as you're looking at what is going on within your organization, you might start developing better partnerships with other community organizations as well that could also help support your, your, um, your goals in, in becoming a more inclusive organization. Uh, other benefits, you know, it, it helps you determine strengths and areas for growth in the organization, and it can help you develop your strategic action plan, which is where, obviously, we're trying to get to. Um, so let's look at the next one, our champions. What's a champion? So, um, and, and why are they important? So champions are those members of your organization who assume the role of facilitating the change initiative in the organization. And so obviously in most organizations, your diversity, your chief diversity officer, your diversity staff members, they are absolutely champions. But they're champions by nature of their job, and 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 they're they're the they're the low hanging fruit champions. <laughs> what we need are the champions who are also going to be stepping up and walking the talk, um, talking the walk, walking the talk. So those are um, you know other stakeholders within the organization. Those are your senior leaders, your your CEO, your your president, your um, department heads, your um, you know, anybody, and quite honestly, everybody, anybody and everybody within your organization, but you absolutely need the champions who are the ones who can make things happen and make things move within your organization. And why? Because champions are the conduit for disseminating information. They're the ones who send out the memos. They're the ones who, who let people know what's going on and what's important today and what's important tomorrow. So those are the people who are, you know, the conduits and can get information out there. They drive, they also drive change across the organization. And we all know who these people are. Um, but I will also say that, you know, it's not just the usual suspects. Anybody who manages anybody in an organization drives behavioral and cultural change. And it's always been interesting to me in the work that I do how often I run into managers at every level of the organization who are like, well, I can't do anything, and, you know, I don't have any power. And it's like, okay, you're, you're crazy. <laughs> First of all, we all have a little bit of power, and some of us have more than others. But um, just the nature of managing others and, and running uh, departments or, uh, or even just work teams, you are creating a culture within, your, um, within that team. And you can change that culture if you need to. And you can, you can influence people's behaviors as well. 
Um, they continually reinforce and link diversity and inclusion to organizational objectives. That's what a champion does. They're the ones who help people see why it is we need to do this, you know, why it is, uh, you know, we're just internal audit. We're just doing our stuff. We're just making sure that the organization's finances are, are in line. Why do we need to do this? Well, your champion is the one who's going to help their staff see why it is this is important why it is it's necessary and how important it is it's that we have people with different perspectives who can see things in different ways, who bring something different to the table, can, and the benefit that that can have on the work that we're doing. They can model the behavior that, that people, and, and show people this is what we're talking about. You know, you don't have to treat people poorly. <laughs> you don't have to, you know, assert your authority all the time. You know, we, we want to create a culture where people are, are, you know, able to share their thoughts and ideas and, and help us become more successful. So, uh, and they can model that behavior. And you also need a champion who can communicate effectively about diversity and inclusion and what you're trying to accomplish to a wide range of, of people. Um, and, you know, because one of the things that I think about was when I was at American Express back in the 90s, you know, our CEO went around the country talking to everybody in the, co in the company about why he thought this was important. So, and, and back in those days at American Express, we were, you know, we were the card, you know, um, the charge card, but we were also a travel organization. I don't know how many people remember that, but, you know, so we had a huge travel business and we had a huge, you know, card, charge card business that we had. And, and in, in addition, there's other things that, that we did too. So he was going around talking to everybody and also talking to external people, you know, because when questions would arise about, you know, going to other countries and and setting up business there, um, you know, well, you can't, you know, well, we can't, you can't send a woman to, you know, uh, to a male-dominated culture to present on this stuff because they're just not going to accept that. Well, and he would be like, well, then we don't need to do business in that country, and we don't need to do business with those companies who don't accept the, the talented staff that we have. This is, these are the people that we're bringing to the table who can help our business grow, and people need to accept that. So that's somebody who's walking the talk and able to communicate effectively about what it is that's important to our organization, and he was a true champion. So as I said, who are our champions? Well, they're your senior leadership team members, they're employee leaders, they're middle management leaders, they're employee resource group members, they're diversity team members, they're diversity council members. I don't know what you have in your organization, but if you have any of these different kinds of groups, then, you'll, then you, you need them as champions for your initiative. And I'm not saying that it's going to be easy, and I'm not going to be saying that they're all going to be like, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> they need to be convinced, but that's the, part, that's the role that, that we have to take is getting people on board, letting them know what it is we need to do, and helping them to see why it's important. So organizational imperative. So why should your organization implement a diversity initiative? That's what an organizational imperative does. It, it talks about, you know, the changing work, you know, it, it talks about business drivers, what's important, what drives our business, how do we, you know, how do we, uh, how do we identify who, what it is we're trying to do and who our, our customers are and who our stakeholders are. That's what the organizational imperative hits is it looks at changing workforce demographics. The reality is, is that the world is a diverse place. 
and it's always been a diverse place. Unfortunately, it just always hasn't translated into, uh, into the diversity of the world hasn't always translated into what's going on within our organization, um, which is how affirmative action and EEO came about. But now we're like, okay, the, the world is diverse. We know it is. How do we leverage that? How do we, how do we acknowledge that and leverage that and bring that into our organizations in order to help us be more successful? So when we're thinking about an organization imperative, we're looking at those workplace demographics. We're looking at the needs, evolving needs of our communities. We're looking at diverse markets. Um, you know, one uh, uh, of the another, another American Express story because they're just so good at this um, is you know American Express going from being a very elitist kind of card. You know, you couldn't get an American Express card back in the day. They they told you whether you wanted one. To going up and picking up the phone and saying yeah, give me an American Express card. And they're like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so that took a lot. That was a huge organizational shift. And once we were making that shift, it was just like, okay, if everybody needs to get an American Express card, everybody needs to get an American Express card. So there was no leaving anybody out of that equation. So maximizing their diverse markets, recruiting and retaining top talent, improving our performance and productivity, organizational sustainability and growth, Increased adaptability that ensures survival. Those are all business drivers that should be taking into consideration when you're looking at your organizational imperative. Why are we doing what we're doing? And so a good organizational imperative will, you know, expect and sustain a long-term effort, accept the new demographic reality, be willing to pierce the power and work through discomfort. It's going to be honest, it's going to spread goodwill, and it's going to do a lot of different things. So our organizational imperative within this organization tries to do all those things. So for us here at the ARC, we want a diverse, culturally competent organization, which will increase effectiveness, credibility, and transparency by expanding our capacity to create impact in the development and implementation of programs, and to provide resources and support, to influence public policy, and to advocate for the needs of a diverse local and international intellectual and developmental disability constituency. So we want to be transparent, we want to be credible, and, and we want to be able to create, and create impact in, in the work that we're doing. And, and then and, and advocate for the needs of, the, of our constituencies. So it's kind of almost, it's very mission focused, but it also speaks to how, what, what kind of organization we want to be. And we want people to be able to see us this way. So communicating. It's very important to communicate what you're doing and who are you communicating to. You're communicating to everybody. You're communicating to staff and the community and your board and customers and shareholders and the world. Everybody should know what you're doing and everybody should be able to look at your organization and say, that organization is, 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 is culturally confident, it speaks to the needs of the community, a uh, diverse community, and, and, and everybody who goes to this organization will realize that or who looks at information from this organization will realize that. So communicating is very important. So what about removing obstacles? And, you know, and there are several obstacles that are organizational barriers to diversity. So we look at, like, cost of implementation. You know, I'm working in a nonprofit now, and, and I'm not even sure I have a budget. <laughs> but, um, but then again, there are things that we can be doing that don't necessarily require a huge outlay of money. It all depends on what it is your goals and, and intentions are. But a lot of people look at cost as a barrier to doing this work. 
um, the, the fear, the bias, the fear of hiring underskilled, under uneducated employees. I mean, that's the immediate bias that came about with affirmative action that, you know, with people thinking that if they're not here, it's because they don't belong here, and it's because they're not capable of being here, and it's because they're not smart enough to be here, and the, and the unwillingness to look at any other factor or reason why uh, our workforces were not more um, heterogeneous um, in, in the day. Um, and so this fear of hiring of underskilled and, and unskilled employees is very real for some people. And so you have to acknowledge that that might be out there and you have to, you have to show that, you, know, you have to be ready for, for addressing that because people will use that as a reason not to, uh, you know, hire or to create a culture that, that drives people away. Um, you have to, uh, there, another barrier is a strong belief in a system that favors merit. So that ties to the previous one that says that, you know, if you, if you, if you were smart enough to be here, you would be here. And if you're smart enough, you'll stay here and so on and so forth. So um, as opposed to, you know, if I bring somebody into this organization, they're qualified. And so, uh, you know, I don't need to set up little traps for people. I can just work to make sure that people are receiving the support that they need in order to be successful here. Um, you're going to run into a noise at reverse discrimination, and I will be the one to say there's no such thing as reverse discrimination. There's just discrimination, and discrimination can happen against anyone. So, so let's, let's just leave reverse discrimination on the table. But uh, discrimination is very real, and so we want to make sure you know that it runs antithetical to what we're trying to do in diversity to discriminate against anybody. So um, that's why you need to be transparent about what's going on and communicate a lot. Um, perception of progress, not a top priority issue, impact on existing systems. You know, we spent a lot of time getting this culture to a place where we think it's great. You know, now you're telling us we need to do something different. You know, uh, tradition is a very hard thing to break. Uh, but, you know, we have to let people know that we always need to continuously evolve because the world is continuously evolving around us. And sometimes just the sheer size of an organization can, can be a barrier to, for people to not want to do this. Um, so how do we create a diversity strategy? So a good strategic plan, so some of the elements of a good strategic plan are, you know, it should address critical performance issues. So like I said, it's about the business and how we're doing business and, and, what's go and, and, and what is happening within our organization that may be in, in impeding our doing the best that we can be doing. So those are the critical performance issues that we're looking at. It should create that right balance between what the organizational is capable of doing versus what the organization would like to do. And that's a very fine distinction. You know, some organization, you know, if you're trying to do like change the world, let's turn everything over, let's, let's, let's do this, that, you know, is your organization ready for that? And, it, and can your organization do something like that? So you have to create that balance or at least look at it. Uh, you know, every time I come into a different organization, even as a consultant, I'm like, tell me what it is you want to do and tell me what it is you can do. You know, and then we'll see what, what's, and then we'll try and meet in the middle and see what's possible. Because a lot of initiatives fail in organizations when organizations try to do more than it is, more than they're capable of doing at the moment. 
and it should cover a sufficient time period to close the performance gap. So this is not a never-ending, uh, it should not be a never-ending process. It should be something that, you know, is just like, if this is what we're seeing, we need to, you know, we need to make some changes, and, and we need to make some changes within this time period. A good strategic plan should be visionary, it should be flexible, uh, and, uh, you know, and allowing and accommodating for change, and it should decide, it should guide decision-making at every level of the organization. Uh, at the operational, tactical, and individual level of the organization. So that when you're thinking about developing a strategic plan, those are some of the things that you need to keep in, in mind. Um, step seven, you need to measure and report. So like, and just as we were talking about what we need to assess, we need to, there's a tons of things we can measure, be measuring and reporting on, which of course means we need a baseline. But who are we hiring? Who's using our benefits? What does our pipeline look like? Who's leaving? Who's staying? Who are we training? Is there adverse impact in pay? What's our employee satisfaction? Who's in our succession plan? Notice it's all over the organization. Everything's being touched by what's going on. Um, and we need to look at everything in order to understand who we truly are. So when we talk about anchoring the organization, the corporate culture, how do we do that? How do we anchor diversity into the corporate culture? And we do that by identifying some competencies. What is it? How? What is it that we really need people to be doing in order to be successful in this organization? We need to identify behaviors that we love. We'd like to see from people. We need to train and/or hire on those competencies and behaviors. Let people know. Okay, this is what we're doing, and this is where we're going, and this is the new way we have of of interacting with each other and interacting with our customers and clients. We need to reinforce that, whether it's through our performance, our reward and recognition, um, our merits, increases, but we need to let people know this is what we're doing. And if you're doing it, that's great. And if you're not, we need to do something about that. And then, like I said, there's rewarding, uh, letting people know how successful we're being and encouraging them to take ownership in that. I'm sorry if I seem to be rushing. I know it's time to go. <laughs> and I want to leave time for questions. I talk way too much. Um, so step nine, and we need to anchor it into the business. So our organizational imperative is, you know, should be reported out. Um, so we have a corporate scorecard. Our organizational imperative is embedded in that, and then it's reported out at the end of the year. So that's the cycle that usually happens. We set goals, we have a scorecard, and we and we report it out. Not, diversity needs to be part of that as well. And so at the end of the year when we're reporting out on quote-unquote business um, results, diversity should be in there as well. And, and, and those actions that we've been taking that we're measuring on should be part of that too and part of that year-end report out process. So what are some of the discussion questions that you may want to have in your organization um, as you're thinking about these things and as you're, as you're working toward a strategic plan? Um, what is the diversity profile of your organization? Does your management team reflect the culture makeup of cultural makeup of your workforce? You know, I, I don't, I can't tell you how many organizations, and and it's so much easier to see now because everybody's putting their pictures up online, um, which is very helpful. <laughs> but you can see, you know, leadership teams of different organizations, and and then if you want to look at their numbers a little bit, because some of that's public information. You can see that there's a lot of diversity probably like in the middle management and lower management ranks, but when you look at the senior leadership team, it's very homogenous. 
Um, you know, and so then you have to sit there and wonder, okay, maybe we need to understand more about our succession planning and so on and so forth. Um, does your workforce reflect the cultural makeup of your customer base? Who should be responsible for monitoring and driving diversity issues in your organization? What is the goal of any training that you're trying to do? You know, if it's just, uh, you know, you know, you let people know what's going on, I will tell you the reason why most diversity training is not successful is because it's not tied into anything. It's not tied into what we were looking at here, um, you know, this reinforcing. You know, so we, we may have identified, I'm not even sure we necessarily identify competencies and behaviors before we do training, um, but you should. Um, but then if you do training, uh, it has to be reinforced. I mean, if my boss sends me to Excel training to learn some stuff, and I come back not knowing Excel, ah, <laughs> I, I should be held accountable for that. You know, and if I'm being told that there's new ways of us doing business, and I don't want to learn those new ways of doing business because I don't think it's important, then I should be held accountable for that. Some other questions that we may um, have. Is diversity training a passing fad for us, um, or is it, uh, does it have a legitimate place in our business? Uh, can you eliminate workplace discrimination or cultural insensitivity simply by changing policies to ensure fair treatment? I mean, these are more cerebral you know, conversations, but it can help you get to a place where you're understanding more about what it is you want to do and, and what kind of organization you really want to be. Um, is an organizational commitment to valuing diversity compatible with a commitment to merit and organizational excellence? Um, should diversity training attempt to change attitudes or behaviors? So what are some of the key components of a successful diversity initiative? Um, in my experience, executive level commitment is, is key. And it needs to partner with human resources and it needs to champion the kind of change initiative. Um, and that is critical to the credibility of what you're trying to do and its long-term success. If you don't have the support of the people who can make things happen in the organization, this is once again building those champions, you're probably not going to be successful. Um, and whether intentionally or even unintentionally, you know, if they're not behind it, then they'll move the organization on to something else and, and then you'll be left with nothing. Um, training is a wake-up call. It's not a panacea for institutionalizing diversity in your organization. Your organization is not going to become more culturally competent and diverse and inclusive because you're doing training. That is just one tactic in order to help you get there. Uh, training should be the, once we understand what it is we want to do and what kind of behaviors we're looking for and what kind of culture we want, we should train people in that and let them know what that looks like. So they can be starting, they can start to hold themselves accountable and we can start to hold them accountable for it. But it's not going to be the, hey, <laughs> okay, we did training, so we're all good now. Um, a diversity council can be an effective cultural change agent if it's structured and staffed appropriately. And basically all a diversity council is, well, what a diversity council can be is um, I've seen them as cross-functional teams as a cross-functional team within an organization. So basically you have people from all over the organization and also people from different levels within the organization who can help ensure that the, you know, that, that 
what what we're trying to do is relevant to every is relevant to the different areas of the organization and different people within the organization. So you have those different voices coming and saying, yes, this is this is this works for us. Um, this is I, we understand what that means and, and this makes it meaningful. And these individuals can also go back out to their groups and provide that kind of in, that provide that kind of feedback and say, this is what we're talking about, this is what's happening, this is why it's happening, and, and, and then also hear, hear from people and bring that back to the council. So a council can be a very effective tool if the council is not, you know, if people don't try and make the council uh, the, the, the owner of diversity within the organization. Once again, they're a tool, not necessarily the ones who should be carrying all the weight. And lastly, another key component is accountability for managing diversity is a shared responsibility. And with expectations to be met, um, uh, and, I think that's a typo, uh, and, and celebrate that, you know, you have expectations that you can be met, um, and you need to celebrate the measures of, and measures of your success. So it's, you, you have to have people accountable for it. If it's just, like I said, a training where people can just go back to their office and check that box off and say, yes, I did it, you know, now it's back to work. It needs to be part of your work. I, you know, as I talk to my colleagues here and I'm trying to embed this into the culture of this organization, um, you know, and, and it's been challenging. You know, people will come up to me and they'll be like, a, a colleague came up to me the other day and was like, you know, we need to get more pictures of diverse people, you know, of, with IDD and, and start putting that out there. And, I, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I don't handle marketing. I don't handle the photography. I don't do that. You should be taking this great idea to the marketing department and letting them know that we need to see more photos and images and we need to be taking some more of those and not just relying on, on the public domain photos but we need to be doing more proactive work on this and making people and ensuring people see that this is important to us. You know, so there's still some work to be done, but, um, you know, everybody has a, a role to play and should be accountable for something. So that's our, um, you know, that's the, that's what I wanted to talk about today, how to, how to start taking it from, yes, we want to do this, to, we need to put something in place, we need to be strategic about this, and we need to be tactical. Um, I know I threw a lot of information at you today, so if anybody has any questions, please let me know, and I'll be happy to try and answer them. Okay, Dawn. Well, thank you so much. That was a really, um, really very interesting and informative um, webinar. And uh, we did have a few questions come in. Um, so if you have a moment, we have uh, the first one that came in was um, from our attendees. And it was, uh, what responsibility can we really have if we have no authority to create policy? So it's a very interesting question there. Um, if they don't have authority to create the policy, um, what can they do? Right, uh, and and that's a great question because we, you know, we're sitting here talking about everybody has to take ownership, and what does that really look like? Well, the, you know, what it really looks like is us taking a look around at at you know at our space and the work that we're doing on a daily basis. Um, who am I working with? Who am I talking with? Who am I interacting with? And then seeing how, you know, how I can, you know, what those interactions are looking like and, and what I can be doing on a daily basis in order to create a more inclusive environment. So it's not even necessarily always about the policy changes. Yes, that happens on another level. 
But when it comes down to what I do and how I interact with the people in my sphere of influence, there are things that I can do. And that's how everybody can start taking responsibility just from and being accountable. Just from that, that perspective of, okay, let me see, you know, I work with these teams. <laughs> how am I working effectively with these teams? Am I doing what I need to do in order to make sure that all voices are being heard? Am I doing what I need to do in order to, you know, make sure that at least in where in in what I do, there's an inclusive environment going on? That's those are the those, those are very important steps because that's how you know quite honestly any organizational change initiative happens. You know, corporate comes up with an idea and then they leave it up to us to decide how it needs to be implemented. And then that's when it comes down to who we are as individuals. So you're right. I don't. I don't even necessarily. I don't create policy for this organization, but I know that I can. I can influence exact. I can absolutely influence the people that I work with and and the people that I interact with on a daily basis. Okay. Um. And that was. I think the uh, the answer will be similar to um, this question, but we had a uh, a second question come in um, if you wanted to address this, but it was, I see the impact on the organization as a whole, but what does it mean to me in my department and the work that I do? Exactly, and it is the same. It is, um, you know, it, it, you, we have to decide where it is we want to make a stand, and we have to decide what it is we want to do. And if we're totally happy and comfortable with the way things are running, then you're not going to do anything differently. But if we can, we all have to do that assessment, and the organization will do it at a higher up level. But we, it doesn't mean that we can't, in the departments and the teams that we work with, also take a look at what's going on here. What are, you know, are the behaviors and the norms of this group, of this team, of this department, ones that will encourage inclusiveness and encourage creativity um, and encourage people to bring the best, or are there things that are happening within our departments that are not doing that? I mean, if we look at, you know, the reasons people leave organizations, you know, only a fraction of them leave it because of money. Most people leave it because of the, their managers. And it's not management is in the higher-ups, it's the people that they directly work with. So there's definitely opportunities for us to look at our, ourselves, look at our behaviors, look at and think about the kind of or, and kind of group and team we want to have, and and then take and take steps to ensure that we can get to that point. Okay, great. And um, the third question that came in was, um, how does this help us deal with racism or any ism on the job? If you, uh, that's that's a very interesting question. Um, if you uh, if you're doing this right and you're doing this in a way that you've assessed what's going on within your organization, and if you if in, and hopefully in your assessment you might have sussed out a little bit of some of those things happening, then when you're identifying the competencies, when you're going back to that process of of Identifying competencies and identifying behaviors, you'll start to think about, um, you know, what what you'd like to see, and kind of, you know, show let people see that this is, you know, there are certain things that are not going to be tolerated here any longer. But also, what you will hopefully have done is created better better reporting processes within your organization. I mean, you cannot off you cannot, you know 
change people's behaviors overnight, but what you can do is let people know that there might be different things that are going on within your organization that will that will um, help you see that 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 behavior is not long that no longer going to be tolerated. So hopefully we'll get better reporting processes in place. Hopefully we'll get better at having some conversations with people. And instead of, you know, necessarily reporting, you know, there's one thing I learned in human resources is that people don't really want to talk to their colleagues very much, especially when something happens. But sometimes the best thing to happen is to let people know that this is not appropriate any longer. And that's not a good thing to say. And why would you do, why would you want to make somebody uncomfortable? We're here to work. We're here to do something. So hopefully through this process we'll learn better techniques for having difficult dial having difficult conversations, but also having the supported support in the system to be able to say, This is what's going on, this is what's happening. I've not been able to create any kind of, of pull, you know, I told them that it's not good, I told them that it's not comfortable for people when they do things like that, and it's still happening. And there'll be processes now in place within your organization to um to work on that and try and find solutions or to let people go, you know. Um, it, 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 once the year we're talking about championing, and I, like I said, when I, when I shared that American Express story, I mean, just the one about uh, our, our CEO saying we don't need to do business with people, that's money in the bank, and that resonates with people. But also, um, when we implemented a policy for, um, for uh, you know, uh, it was it was just like more inclusive uh, family leave policies, you know, and and um, and in policies for GLBT people, um, it was you know people did not feel like that was important and necessary within our organization to have those kinds of people in the organization first of all, but it's a they're already there and b you know if you don't like it then the the the, the new corporate culture said if you don't like it then you can go because we can find somebody else who will accept, you know, the qualified people who are working here. So hopefully, as, if we're doing this right, we're, we're, we're starting to lay that foundation and letting people see that there's more to us than there was before, and these things are important to us, and they will not be tolerated. Hope that helps. Hey. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Um, do you have a contact, uh, a, a slide with your contact information on it? at all there? Um, okay, great. <laughs> yes. Okay, well, wonderful. If you, want to reach, you can reach me at my uh, email address, cooper at thearc.org, and, um, and I'd be happy to answer any additional questions that anybody has. Okay, wonderful. So, good. So if our attendees can use the contact information on the screen for questions, and then um, attendees, if you um, have any additional questions um, after this that you think of, you can also send um, your questions to us and we'll forward them on to Dawn, and you can register for any future webinars or request a demo of our compliance solution on our website, which is firsthcc.com or call us also at 888-543-4778. And thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much to Don Cooper of the ARC, and um, thank you so much. All right, everyone, have a good day. All right, thank you. Thank you so much.